Hello, friends. Welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Rachel Sweeney Bredesen never expected to end her Cedarville athletic career as an NCAA All-American athlete. But through the encouragement of her cross-country teammates, her parents, and her husband, Rachel ran an outstanding finish for her Cedarville team. Now here's your host, Mark Weinstein. Thank you, Sarah, and hello, everyone. I'm Mark Weinstein, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. Joining me today on the program is Rachel Sweeney Bredesen, a graduate student in Cedarville's Doctor of Pharmacy program. But Rachel is much more than just an outstanding student. She's a two-time NCAA All-American athlete in the indoor distance medley relay and steeplechase. She's a grad assistant coach and a wife. How she juggles all of her responsibilities is unknown to me, but we will talk about her life work balance and much more today on the program. Welcome to the podcast, Rachel. It's great to have you on the program. And as I mentioned in the introduction, you live an active life and you've experienced significant accomplishments in your young age. So for starters, Rachel, have you always been a high achieving person? I'd have to say that I've had a great example through my parents. Both my parents are very high achievers Mm -hmm. in their careers and in their lives. Um, So they have always encouraged me to get involved as much as I can in anything that I'm interested in. Um, So from a very young age, I was always involved in athletics and um, any academic leadership I could. Um, Soccer and basketball and running, um, starting from as early as third grade completed all those sports all the way through high school so um i always strived to do the best i could um, with what i was given so i do have quite a few accomplishments under my belt so far so i would say yes i i try to be that's good Uh, it's fun to watch uh people in different walks of life and how they strive for different things or sometimes they don't even strive they're not as uh, assertive as maybe others would be but uh you come from a high-achieving family and a pharmacy family. How influential were your parents in you pursuing a doctor of pharmacy degree and possibly a career as a pharmacist? Yeah, I mean, very influential. Um, my dad has been involved in a pharmacy academia for right. as long as I can remember. So um, growing up, we would ha- constantly have pharmacy students over to our house for Bible studies and picnics. So um, I was constantly surrounded by the pharmacy profession and and pharmacy students. So um, that definitely played a role in my decision to go into pharmacy. Um, At first, I was a little hesitant because of the fact that both my parents are pharmacists. And so I didn't want to just follow in their footsteps just for the sake of that. However, I investigated it a little bit on my own, um, did some shadowing opportunities and I really saw the impact that I could make as a pharmacist, and I also really enjoyed science and chemistry and all the things that come with that, so I thought it might be a good path for me. You better like uh, chemistry (laughs) if you want to be a pharmacist. That is for sure. So uh, now that you're nearing the end of your program, uh, have you given it much thought into how you'd like to use your pharmacy education? Are you interested in maybe a local pharmacy, maybe working at a hospital, or maybe going in, like your dad, academia? I've thought about this a lot, and I'm I'm still wrestling with this decision about how I want to move forward. Um, I keep coming back to psychiatric pharmacy. Really? Um, so I 
got an internship at a psychiatric hospital in Columbus, um, and I really enjoyed my time there so far. Um, I just keep coming back to that population. I feel like I have a heart for um, that patient group. I feel like there's need for more Christian pharmacists in that area, Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like those with psychiatric illnesses or mental illnesses, um, substance abuse issues, um, that they just need to be heard and well cared for. And so I'd really like to see myself in that field in the future. I'm open to other things. I don't want to place myself in only one spot right now. I want to keep all my doors open. But Can you share with us, Rachel, your spiritual journey and testimony? Mine may be similar to most, but I grew up in a Christian home and I was saved at a young age, uh, six years old. And I do believe it was authentic that I mm-hmm. um, had a, a good understanding of Christ's death and resurrection and how that played a role in my salvation, um, even at a young age. Um, I will say that the growth was not linear throughout my <laughs> life. Um, there was definitely lots of ups and downs and questions um, as I was growing up. Um, I went to a Christian school mm-hmm. all through junior high and high school. So I was constantly surrounded by Christian friends and um, a good biblical education. Um, I will say when I came to Cedarville, I felt like I was at a crossroads where I you know, could choose whether I wanted this to be something for myself or I could just kind of go through the motions and just get through um, my time at Cedarville and not fully make my faith my own. And I remember fall Bible conference my freshman year, I lose a Mark Rogop who was mm-hmm. speaking and um, he did an amazing job kind of talking about sin and destroying sin before it destroys you. And um, that really resonated with me and how I feel like I might have just uh, kind of let sin creep in a little bit more than I probably was comfortable with. And um, so I, I remember going to the Cedar Hill bookstore and I don't remember really know why I did this, but I felt like I just needed to buy a new Bible. Mm. Um, I had like six Bibles, but I felt like I wanted a new one to like start fresh, to like read through the whole Bible and kind of mm. restart my journey, so to speak. So ever since my freshman year here, um, I've definitely grown a lot, um, especially through all of my friends on the cross country team. Mm-hmm. And I had some great role models those early years um, from the upperclassmen. So I can relate to your testimony. Uh, and I think a lot of people who are listening uh, can, you know, I grew up in a Christian home and uh, I went off to a Christian college, and and even when I chose to come to Cedarville back in 2010, I bought a Bible um, as I was coming in, and and uh, as I think about this, and and you said that you know you don't know if your testimony is all that remarkable, but what's remarkable is Jesus loves us, and the remarkable part of it is Him and what He's done in our life, not what we have decided. And so I think that's yeah, great. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's great. So, in terms of your faith, um, whether you're in a classroom or at an athletic event, how have you seen your faith tested or utilized for kingdom purposes? Honestly, the benefits of coming to Cedarville um, for some people was kind of tough for me. Chapel every day is is great for a lot of people, and a lot of people enjoy it. Um, for me, doing it for multiple years in a row, I felt. Like I was growing complacent mm. towards worship and um, learning about the word and 
Um, when Bible classes were required, it was kind of hard for me to differentiate that between, you know, enjoying learning about God and getting good grades. And so um, that was something I, I struggled with a little bit more. And I'm not sure if it's the same for other students, but um, I felt like I really needed to reorient my attitude towards that. Um, I think part of it was also because I went to a Christian high school. Right. Just years and years of that kind of um, helped made me grow complacent towards it. And so um, I really tried to change my attitude towards um, those blessings, honestly. And um, now that I'm in grad school and I don't get those Bible classes or not as many opportunities to go to chapel as right. I used to, um, I, I do miss it. And I now see the value mm. of those things and uh, having those people teach me the word. And now yeah. I'm more on my own and right. figuring that out for myself. Yeah. So, Well, hindsight is twenty twenty, <laughs> And uh, it's, it's interesting how we can take some things for granted until we don't have it and then we miss it. So um, again, I resonate with that as well. I mentioned earlier, Rachel, that you juggle a lot of responsibilities, including being the wife of Luke. When did you get married and how did you meet Luke? Yeah, so I met Luke my freshman year at Cedarville. Um, we were both on the cross-country team. Okay. So it was the fall of my freshman year. We started off as, as good friends. Since there's so many people on the team, I didn't really meet him until mid-October. So the season was almost over. And yeah. um, we ended up sitting next to each other on a bus ride home from a cross-country meet. And that was really the first time I'd ever talked to him. And we became quick friends, gradually grew into more than that. Um, and then we got married July of 2021. Okay. So, so which one of you knew first that the other per that you got, you guys were going to get married? Probably him. Really? <laughs> yeah. It took me probably a little longer. So let's stay uh, or return back to the athletic world a little bit and talk about your decision to um, stop competing in basketball and soccer, mm -hmm. uh, which you excelled at at Legacy Christian Academy in Xenia. What motivated you to join the track and cross-country teams and not play basketball and soccer here at Cedarville? Yeah, this is a, a fun story that I always like talking about, um, and so does Coach Bo. Um, <laughs> but when I was in high school, running was my third favorite sport. Right. I liked soccer the best, then basketball, then running. And so I really wanted to play soccer at Cedarville. Um, I had talked to Coach McGilvery a couple times, and my plan was to play soccer in the fall and run track in the spring mm, um, just to run track just to stay in shape and I was good at running so I would I would like to keep doing it and then uh, my senior year of high school the very first soccer game I broke my foot just mm. in this fluke I don't even know I planted my foot weird it broke and so I was out for the whole season and that same time there was a transition of coaching at Cedarville soccer so um, the new Cedarville soccer coach wouldn't get to see me play at all so I kind of felt like that was the turning point for me I was like okay maybe soccer is not what I should be doing um, so I looked into running more and talked to coach Bo and um, he I mean he was trying to get me to run cross country but I, I still wasn't sold on it for a long time and I came in my freshman year at Cedarville and I 
kind of had a bad attitude because <laughs> um, I felt like this wasn't what I wanted to do. And so that first cross-country season, I was just trying to figure out how to enjoy it. Honestly, I was so surprised. The girls on the team at that time were, were amazing, and they took me under their wing and yeah. um, really made it super enjoyable. So let's go down the, the track discussion a little bit. So uh, just like uh, former Cedarville Stories podcast guest Dan Mahalski, uh, when he came here, he picked the steeplechase. So did you. Why did you decide to run the steeplechase? Because that's a really obscure race. And it looks fun, but it looks challenging. So why why that race? Yeah. So um, when Coach Bo was recruiting me in high school, he told me that I should do the steeplechase. And I think mostly that was because of my other athletic background. Um, a lot of multi-sport athletes tend to be coordinated. So doing the steeplechase yeah. uh, seems like a good fit. Um, however, I... My first few years, I didn't run steeplechase because I can I cannot hurdle at all. So let's <laughs> let, let's let's back up here. So because I don't know if any, our listeners really know what yeah. the steeplechase okay. is. So tell us what the steeplechase is. What what do you do? Yeah. So the steeplechase is three thousand meters, like seven and a half laps, almost two miles. There's four barriers that you hurdle over. Is that water? No. Just okay. just normal barriers, and then there's one water barrier on each lap okay so it's about 35 jumps total in the whole race what 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 drew you to the steeplechase i didn't do my do the first steeplechase until my senior year and it was mostly because i felt like i was at a standstill in all the other events that i competed in and so i was like well i'll try something new and in hopes of making it to nationals and something right um so that was kind of my first thoughts and right. doing steeplechase. So when you said uh, you didn't run the steeplechase until your senior year, in reality, though, your senior year was like your junior year because you still had two yeah. years because yeah. of COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, you know, as, as I prepared for today's program, I learned that in 2021, you had the highest grade point average of any NCAA Division II, I think, track and field athlete. Yes, competing okay. at that meeting. Com- yeah. Competing at that time. And you were part of the Elite 90 Athletes, which mm-hmm. seems really prestigious. What does all this mean, and what did it mean to you? I guess to me it meant that um, it was kind of accumulation of all of the hard work I'd put into school and running over the years. Um, so the Elite 90 Award is awarded to – there's one male, one female um, winner at each national championship, and it goes to the highest GPA of – the athletes there what, what's your gpa if you can say uh 4.0 okay. so i there's probably a lot of 4.0s there so tiebreakers come down to to amount of credits really yeah i so would think I also least, i assume because there's also probably more 4.0s i would me. think as being a communications major that i was that the tiebreaker should come down to the the level of degree of difficulty of the academic discipline so like mm-hmm. a 4.0 in pharmacy is a lot more difficult than a 4.0 in communication. So I think you should get the advantage there. <laughs> well, if there was an objective way to measure that, then they might, but yeah. So you you were in the Elite 90, and how meaningful was that? It was uh, very unexpected for me. Um, I knew like I knew going in, I had a 4.0. Um, 
but I hadn't won anything like that up until that point. Right. Because um, the conferences do similar awards, and I hadn't won that. Um, so winning the Elite 90 award was, was very exciting, and especially at that meet because um, I, I qualified in the steeplechase, and it did not go the way I wanted it to. Except the year you fell? Yes. <laughs> I fell in the water bar- or the water pit. And so I was, I was very disappointed in myself. Um, but coming home with the elite 90 award kind of made it a little bit better. Yeah. And, and we may get to this a little bit down the road, but, um, I have to think that that, that experience of being disappointed and falling in the water pit was some kind of motivation for you the next year. And we'll get to that part Mm -hmm. in the story in a little bit. So, um, as I, as I think about um, you in the steeplechase, and I should have asked this uh, a moment ago, but you know you didn't do exceptionally well in the steeplechase your first few years, or your, and um, but then you really excelled your last two years. What helped you improve so much that you became ultimately an All-American in the steeplechase? So actually, I I didn't run my first steeplechase until my fourth year. Okay. So I felt like I improved very quickly because it was a new event. And so just trying it over and over. It was um, a new event for the conference or just for for you? Okay. Yes. For me personally, it was a new event um, for me personally. And so I improved pretty quickly um, just practicing and racing it over and over. And then ultimately getting faster and all of the other events I did also helped. And I think my fifth year when I, got all American. That was ultimately what was the difference was yeah. that I was just faster. Speak to, uh, if you may, cause I should, I should bring coach Bo into the conversation. Um, uh, mm-hmm. how influential was coach Bo into your training to your running just even personally in, in your life? Coach was great. Honestly, he really listens to the girls on the team and, um, really cares about us individually. And, cares about how we do personally and, and in running. Um, he's always willing to listen and adjust um, based on what we need. Um, so my first couple years, um, he his, his training philosophy is very good for slowly improving over time. Um, and we see that on our team that so many of the girls came in you know, not exceptional runners. We have talent, but not exceptional. And then leaving the program yeah. just with yeah. incredible improvement. And um, I think that really uh, can be credited to Coach Bo and his his training and his um, ability to um, help us, you know, stay on top of it and keep us from getting injured. And honestly, he, he was very good at encouraging me, um, telling me, Right from the very beginning, he told me, Rachel, I think you can break 17 minutes in the 5K, and I think you can be an All-American. And I was like... Did you believe him? No. <laughs> no. My time at that time was like 1923. And oh, so wow. he... I don't know what he saw, but he's like, I believe in you, and I think you can do this. And um, I ended up almost meeting... I, I finished with 1701, but... Close enough. <laughs> How many school records do you hold at Cedarville? Oh, currently only the steeplechase now. Um, so this past season, I broke the 
indoor 3,000 meters, and then it was broken a couple weeks later by one of my teammates. Oh, really? And then the outdoor 5,000 meters, and then same thing a couple weeks later, broken by one of my teammates. But I still hold the steeplechase. So let's let's talk uh, about your NCAA All-America year this past year and as we head down the final stretch of the podcast. And if memory is correct, you entered the NCAA championship race in the steeplechase, seated number 15th. But to earn All-American status, you have to be in the top eight. For clarity purposes, To be, um, how were you able to make that accomplishment? And, and the fact that I think in the race, probably even late in the race, you weren't in position to be an All-American, but you passed like three or four runners. Yeah. Walk us through that whole scenario, what was going through your mind, and then finally when you passed the tape and you, you made All-American. What's kind of unique about um, the steeplechase is that there is a prelim. So 20 girls qualified, so they split up 10 in each prelim race. Okay. And so that was on Thursday. I just had to qualify for finals. That was my goal. But I wasn't even seated to qualify uh, for the finals. So my goal was just to race as hard as I could. Um, I had the mentality of this could be my last ever race. Right. Um, in a Cedar Roll jersey. So um, I didn't want any regrets. And so I ran the prelim, ended up having a personal best of six seconds, which is c- quite a big jump. And so I made the finals. And the finals was Friday, the very next day. Okay. So I was tired. Um, I had just run a six-second personal best. And so I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. I just don't want to get last in my heat Right. <laughs> um, in the finals. So I, you know, basically tried to redo that entire day, do everything exactly the same, same, um, hoping it would work and so I could run well. Um, I remember towing the line again and thinking, well, this is for sure my last race in a Cedar Roll jersey. And so I definitely don't want any regrets. And so I just went out and tried to put myself in the top eight, which is All-American, Going into the last lap and a half, about, I was in ninth. Okay. So I knew that I, I had to go at that point if I wanted to, to was, go home with a trophy. Because it's it's in it's within reach. Because if you're at ninth, I mean, you can see that it's a possibility. Yeah. Okay. So I, just, I, was just, I had to catch one more person. Okay. So that was my goal. And so um, then I did. I caught one person. So I was in eighth. I had some room. I was like, I could stay here and be comfortable and still go home with a trophy. Then I was like, then I'm the last person on the podium to get a trophy. And so I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to fully establish myself as an All-American. And so my last lap, I caught two more girls, and they were quite a ways in front of me. So it was the fastest I had ever finished a steeplechase in my life. Um, That last lap was the fastest lap I'd ever run in a steeplechase. And... Ended up finishing with another six-second personal best from the day before and ended up on the podium, and it was the best feeling. At what what spot did you finish? Sixth. Sixth. Yes. Well, Rachel, uh, time is really uh, over, but I do want to ask you one question. It's really an important question, um, and that is, although your college athletic career has ended, there's still one more honor or maybe a couple honors that could come your way in the near future that honor from the NCAA is being named the Women Athlete of the Year. 
this honor will be announced in October. What would it mean for you to receive this honor? It would be amazing. Um, I know that all of the nominees are probably outstanding women and sure. very accomplished, uh, intelligent leaders at their in their communities. Um, so if, if I was to be awarded with it, I would just think about how much of an honor it is to be nominated along these other women. Yeah. Um, and honestly, just reflecting on all of the Lord's blessings throughout my time at Cedarville and how it all had led to this point is, is really kind of amazing. You know, not even sure if I wanted to run right. in college and, you know, going through a pharmacy program that's pretty rigorous. And so there were a lot of times where I doubted myself and wasn't sure if I could do it. And just all those moments of weakness where I kind of convinced myself to keep pushing, um, I guess would all manifest in this award and that it would be, it would have been worth it. Well, we look forward to hearing because we we know you're in the top 10 of women of the year category mm-hmm. and ultimately there's going to be one ultimate winner announced in january for all the um, division levels mm-hmm. um so that's great so we'll be pulling for you and looking forward to hearing where you fall in that in that uh, discussion but um as you look back on your college career athletically academically spiritually can you point to one thing that's like uh, the pinnacle uh, moment in your career that you will always take with you as you go on and be a pharmacist making a difference for the kingdom? Honestly, it's got to be that All-American finish. I had a lot of teammates there supporting me um, and then, you know, coming up short the year before and being very disappointed with that. And yeah. then honestly, it was the best way I ever could have hoped for it to end for me. Well, you've done well. We're proud of you as Cedarville people and... Um, it's my honor to talk to an All-American Day on the Cedarville Stories podcast. Rachel, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory.